The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. Is going on, DJ Podcast this week for the Houston Open. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing good, Kenny. It's another good one, my friend. This is exciting. Uh, the field is weak, but we had a good one over the weekend that I'm excited to talk about, and then still some good tournaments out there to make some cash. Yeah, last week's tournament was pretty damn exciting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kevin Ah, the way he plays. I mean, this guy has gone through such a transformation as being like one of the most disliked golfers on tour, you know, 10 years ago, to be a fan favorite now. Sorry, guys, I'm about to sneeze. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> to being like a fan favorite now. You know, it's just a 180 turn from what he did. Tamo, you, you take it over because I'm about to have a sneezing attack. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, no, I don't know. You're going to tell us a little more, I think, about Kevin Na and the Korean media and the stuff that's going on there that I'm excited to hear. I know you were talking a little bit about it on Twitter today. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's gone the craziest turn that you've ever seen, right? The guy didn't win for so long. He was sort of in the media and whatnot, as you mentioned. Then he comes back, and all of a sudden he's got, like, three wins in the last year and a half, and none more than this one that I think was probably the best one over Cantlay in a playoff, and Cantlay can't get get off the schneid at this tournament. So uh, pretty disappointing for him. But, yeah, amazing win for Kevin Nani. He closed it in nice fashion there. You know, Cantlay missed a putt, and he did his job and made it with – his daughter there and everything that's going on. So I thought it was an exciting ending myself. Yeah. I mean, the thing about nah, you know, his putting was the best ever in a tournament, literally the best ever. Uh, he, he gained more strokes putting than anyone else ever has in a four round event, uh, 14.12 strokes gained putting, uh, in a week, which is insane, insane. And the thing is like, 
you know, it never stopped. Usually, you know, guys put that well the first three days. And when the pressure gets on at the end of the tournament, you know, they sort of, you know, slide back, but not now that, 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 that 20 foot par save on 17, the 18 foot birdie, the match, Cantley on the first playoff hole. It was so sick, and he was walking him in. Uh, I mean, those two played pretty good golf. Now, Cantley, um, his club selection during the final round confused me a little bit. Like, if you take a peek at, um, you know, when he hit the seventh hole, uh, the seventh hole is like a 384-yard par four, okay? It's not – it wasn't quite drivable uh, on Sunday, but, you know – Cantley went ahead and hit a driver off that tee, left himself a 59-yard wedge, which is one of the harder shots in golf for pros and amateurs alike to get that distance right, trying to hit like a, a two-thirds of a swing or half a swing, you know, to get it close. And, of course, he flew the hole by like 25 feet, uh, you know, made par on that hole. And then on 10, you know, it's a 415-yard par four. He hits a driver where, you know, the, the, the bunker's right at 300 yards, which is right where his landing zone is for his drive. You know, if he's a three wood, he, he doesn't have to mess with that bunker and he still has a wedge in his hand, uh, but he hits that driver. It basically plugs onto the corner, onto the upslope of the uh, bunker. He has to, you know, chip out and he makes bogey on that hole. And then on 17, when he has the lead, okay, it was like 180 yard to the hole, par three, water on the left, pin, pin in the front left location. Okay. You're in the lead. This is not an easy hole. It's not like Kevin Ock can just go out there and hit it close because there's a lot of danger uh, on that hole. This guy can't like hits a nine iron, you know, and, and misses the green, hits it short, and ends up rolling into the water for another bogey. Um, so, so Kevin Ock can tie him. You know, why not just hit an eight iron fat, you know, into the fat part of the green on the right side of the green, two putt for par? You know, I, it just it boggled my mind, and it made me really angry because I had so much money riding on Cantley. For me, it was a great week, okay? I came in third in the uh, final round uh, $5 showdown, the big showdown GPP. So, I mean, I won 500 bucks on that $5 entry and only have five entries for that, for that event. So, I mean, that's pretty good. And um, the thing is, if Cantley won, I would have won $1,000, and I would have hit Cantley, which was one of my betting segment bets from last week at 11 to 1. I put 50 bucks on him. So that was like a $1,000 swing, you know. And then plus, Cantlay was one of my highest-owned golfers uh, in all my GPPs. And so, you know, if he made that putt, then, you know, I, I still won like a couple hundred dollars on all my other GPPs. And, uh, you know, it would have jumped that up to maybe three or $400. So, I mean, yeah, he just really crushed me uh, on that. But, you know, good for Kevin Na. And if you listened to the interview – after Kevin Na's win, he says some stuff in Korean. And a lot of people were curious to what he says. And so I looked over it and I did just a little bit of research. And um, supposedly, uh, okay, so he was on this new, he was on this Korean TV show recently here, like a month ago. It was called The Taste of Wife. I think it's a translation, the English translation for the Korean show. And it's about, you know, Kevin, it's about people's families, their wives, uh, you know, um, how they live, their house, their kids, you know, it's like one of those things where you see like celebrities and how they live and stuff like that. And so a lot of people weren't happy with him being on the show with his wife and kids because, you know, okay, first off in Korea, Korean people think different in, than American people. So you got, you got to take that into account when you hear the story, but uh, you know, 
he, people in Korea weren't very happy that he was on that show because of what happened with his ex fiance about five years ago. Now, this show, this wasn't really reported that much when it happened. But about five years ago, Kevin Na was engaged to this chick. You know, they were, they were, um, they were engaged for like a year and a half. You know, they basically lived together for like a year, a year and a half. And in Korea, the marital rules, if you live with someone for over a year, you're basically married. You're basically married. So they get your money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so the issue with that was Kevin Na broke off the wedding, which in Korean custom is, can be really damaging to the woman uh, because technically she would be a divorcee. And, you know, the way the culture is there, um, that's not something that's, you know, really looked high upon, you know, sort of frowned upon to get a divorce. And so when Kevin Nott broke it off, she sued him for breaking it off. And that's a normal thing in Korea when it comes to marital laws. Like if you break off an engagement, the, the person who, you know, was shunned can sue the other person for damages monetarily and physically. And so either it was in the court proceedings or it was to the media. Uh, Kevin Na's ex-fiance stated that she was treated poorly by Kevin Na and was basically just a sex slave to him. These are her words uh, because of um, how, you know, Kevin doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. So his main place to get rid of stress and his vice was sex. And even when she didn't want to have sex, you get my picture? And so that's what she said. He said, she said, you don't really know. Uh, and so Kevin was, so, so a lot of people were talking about that and bringing that back up. And, you know, she actually won a, almost a $200,000 settlement against Kevin Na uh, at that time. And so, um, you know, so him being on that show brought back a lot of the memories of what happened with his ex-fiance. And so started, people started talking a lot of shit about him on Korean social media. And so that's what he was talking about. So when Kevin Nall, uh, in his interview, he was basically saying, you know, a lot of people are talking bad about me. They're all lies. Uh, you know, I've been keeping my mouth shut, but I've been angry on the inside. Uh, but I'm gonna just, I just went ahead and let my, my golf play show how, how I feel. You know, I'm happy. You know, I, I'm not worried about this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, for all my true fans, I really appreciate your support. So that's basically what it came down to. Um, so that was the whole interview story, uh, at the end. So that, you know, that's what it was about. So, I mean, you know, you hear the word sex slave and you're like, whoa, uh, not sure how truthful it is. You know, the woman said it, I'm sure she, I'm sure in her mind it was the truth, you know, and maybe in Kevin's mind it wasn't, uh, but that doesn't even really, that's, it, it's really isn't a big story. You know, he was in Korea, it might be a big story, but here in, in, in America where we don't think like we do in Korea, it's not a big story. And so it was a great win by Kevin Na, unbelievable putting by him. And I was literally sweating my ass off the whole back nine because I had so much money riding on the line. Like basically if Kevin Na, if Cantley won and Webb made that six, uh, that four foot birdie putt he missed on 16, I would have won the $5 GVP for $2,000. So I was bitter, but still a great week, a winning week, even though my cash lineup sucked again. Uh, you know, my, my, my cash can cornerstones have been, I guess, average. You know, I went three or four last week, three or four the first two weeks, and then a shitty two or four at Safeway, but also with two winners. 
in those 16 picks. So I'd say it's about average, not as good, not anywhere close to as good as what last year. But my other two pick plays that I do that I don't talk about have just sucked ass. Like I've been three to six like every week. So cash wasn't great, but the GPPs were really, really strong. Uh, you know, like a 350% return on investment, almost a 400% return on investment. So that sort of made up for the money I've lost the first three weeks. So that was nice. How did you do? Jeez, man. What, what a runoff. Uh, it's going to be 50 Shades of Grey Part 4 featuring Kevin Na is what I just I heard and, and what I found out about Kevin Na there. So holy shit, that's, that's like quite the information. So Kenny, bringing it for the people as always. It, uh, for me, pretty good week overall because of Showdown. Same as you. I didn't play weekend, but I played round three. I won the $20 single entry, and oh, then nice. I play, which was decent. And then I played the round <laughs> four, and I cashed in the $100. I just cashed the $100, and then all the other tournaments that I was in basically just min-cash. So it was still a positive day. Uh, got 19th in the big $100 on the main, 30th as well. Bunch of close calls. Had some 6 of 6. Actually, was overweight on 6 of 6 for once uh, this season so far in the $8. So hoping to continue that this week. Uh, but another big football week. I got the, the king of the gridiron I posted today. I know it's not a football pod, but when you get talking about Gump's Corner – and coming on over there to check it out. Uh, I got eighth overall out of a hundred of like sort of the top players. It was a $5,300 buy-in and you play for five weeks and then oh, you, damn. you have to, it's all about consistency. So it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, toot my own horn a little bit for that. Just proud achievement. You know, top 10 in that was a tough. How, much did, you, how much did you win on a $5,300 entry? Yeah. So you it, basically every week, the top seven got paid and I cashed once in that for two grand. And then in the end I got, uh, eight for 15 grand. So I got about mm. 17 grand on five. It was 12 K over the five weeks. So nice, uh, nice. made up for a week where everybody got smashed in cash and, and whatnot in football. But uh, yeah, back to golf. I, it was a great event. Happy to see Kevin. Nod. The old, I was with you on the betting side of things. If you recall from the end of the pod, I said, you know what? You fuck it. I'm adding Rom as the, as the double with Cantlay and Brooks. That, that's what I'm doing. And that's what I did. So we had the same rooting interest there because Rom got the job done by a touchdown or more. Uh, overseas there and that was awesome and it only would have I mean it was 48 to one it was like two grand though it still would have been decent so two grand Canadian though Kenny that's like you know 1200 bucks American so nothing really to get too hyped about but either way good overall week happy with it and now we move on to the next one and this if you recall is an event that I'm very excited about because my biggest win all time in DFS history first and third place in the dogleg at the Shell Houston Open when Ian Poulter took down Hostler in the playoff so nice. yeah. different time of year, but same tournament. I'm pumped to be back. Let's speak about Rom real quick. If you look, there was a stat posted Insane. that he, he's, he's 50, he has been top 10 in nearly 50% of his starts in his career. Nearly second only to Tiger. More top 10, a higher top 10 percentage than Rory. Now Rory has played more events and Tiger's played a lot more events, but still that's crazy impressive. This guy is consistent as hell. Um, you know, and the thing about him is, you know, when, when you play, when he comes into these big fields like majors and stuff, he's never 10 grand. He's always in a nine, nine K area. Uh, I mean, the guy is, is unbelievable out there uh, doing his thing. And it was great stuff. And also talking about the, the six for six you were talking about, I had my uh, highest percentage over the field ever in a while where I had 30% of my lineups uh, get six of six. Now, of course, I'm only playing half the amount that I normally pay in a regular season in the fall. Uh, but still, you know, I had 50 GPP lineups and I had 15 six of sixes. So that's really helped in the GPP. So a strong week for both of us uh, in an event, even though I, my cash game still sucked. Uh, but I do feel really good about my cornerstones this week, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. I will see. I'm more confident about my cash game cornerstones this week than I have been 
in the fall so far. And that's strange because of how crazy weak this field is. But we'll see how it goes. Of course, I say that now and they'll go over four or some shit like that. Uh, also, when it comes to the betting segment, in the last seven weeks, I had four winners. You guys probably know that. But I also had two runner-ups. So, so still, still riding a little bit of a hot streak. If you, if you have each way, I mean, I, I didn't, uh, and I, you know, I probably wouldn't have each way Xander at the tour championship 20 to one or Cantley last week at 11 to one, but still a, a good little thing going with us in the betting segment. So let's try and keep this train rolling. All right. So let's get on to our listener league for this week before we get into the actual course and all the good stuff. So the listener league winner this past week, was Chicken Hawk. I think he's been up there before. Uh, you know, I think he's been up there before. He had 638.5 points. Real quick, though, I would like to give a shout-out to the guy who finished in second, uh, Otten VT03. Uh, Chris is uh, went to college with me. He's one of my better friends. Uh, and, and, uh, and he's a cool dude because he did something where I probably didn't have the guts to. He lived up here in Northern Virginia, did a couple of odd jobs and stuff, and then he was like, you know, three four years ago he was like you know what golf is my passion it's my love I'm gonna drop everything move to Myrtle Beach and go to the little uh PGA little uh pro school that they got down there so he went to that school graduated and now he's an assistant pro down there at at a club in Myrtle Beach so kudos to Chris out there coming in second but let's talk about Chicken Hawk here so he had 638.5 points he had Patrick Cantlay who was 15.3 percent owned uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who had a really nice Sunday, uh, 10% owned. So he definitely went stars and scrubs. Uh, Russell Knox at 81.5 points, at, uh, and he was 0.67% owned. So I think only like two or three people rostered him. Uh, no, I think maybe he might be the only one in the roster. And actually at 0.67. He had Chesson Hadley, who I did like, uh, finished in 18th, 107 points, 2.67% owned. Uh, Denny McCarthy, who's become one of my favorite uh, golfers in the fall. We'll talk about him a bunch here uh, later on. Uh, he was 4.67% on, finished in ninth at 113 points, did double 17 uh, to, to drop him a couple of spots. He was at 20 under. Uh, and then Charlie Hoffman, who finished basically dead last, but still made the cut. Uh, and uh, he was 2% on. What do you think about the lineup, Cam? Crazy low ownership. He John Rom the field, 50-point win. So, Know, First right? off, kudos to him. That's incredible. I mean, can't do much better than that. Uh, you know, six out of six was huge. The fact that he used four guys under the aggregate ownership was like 31, 35%, somewhere in that range. I didn't count it all up, but it's very close. So uh, it's not all about that. I know it's, you know, comes down to getting the right golfers, but it also looked very course history-esque, right? You had Cantlay, Bryson, sort of the last two guys that, that were first and second type deal. And then you got Chesson Hadley, I know had pretty good history. And then you get guys, you know, like Hoffman and Denny McCarthy can just get hot. And, and like you said, Russell Knox just sort of was there. So uh, huge lineup, huge score. I don't know what the biggest – we haven't been tracking, but I got to think 50-point blowout has to be one of the biggest ever for the listener league. Yeah, it was a solid, solid lineup. So kudos to Chicken Hawk. We will see you in the three-man this week. All right, so let's get to the course. So the PGA Tour heads to uh, Texas for the Houston Open from the golf club of from the golf club of Houston. Uh, this event has been played here since 2003, but this is the first time it's being played in the fall swing. Uh, the event has usually been a warm up to the masters. So there will be some differences uh, in the spring. The greens are overseeded with bent and rye, which causes the greens to play more like bent grass. Uh, this week, there'll be pure mini verde ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. 
without the overseeding, these greens will probably won't be as smooth and could get a little bumpy in the afternoon, though it won't be as bumpy as like afternoon POA. Uh, another possible difference will be the length of the rough. Uh, the rough here tournaments pass has basically been non-existent, like an inch, 1.25 inches, um, because they want to mimic Augusta. Now, the rough will be up a little bit more this year, but I haven't been able to pinpoint how much more it will be. I've seen some reports saying it'll be 1.75 inches, which is basically nothing again. Uh, or, and I've also heard reports that it's going to be three inches, which is definitely a little bit more. Uh, now, either way, with the large greens and possible wet conditions due to rain, I think greener, number, greener regulation numbers from the rough will be similar to what it has been in the past. Uh, weather always plays a factor here as high Texas winds are the norm. This week is no different as golfers will see 10 to 25 mile per hour winds you'll see those higher winds on Friday uh, during the week. Of course, forecasts can change. So, you know, check Wednesday night to see the most current forecast. Also keep an eye on Golf Channel or social media to see what golfers are saying about the differences in the course with the move to the fall because there really hasn't been that much information about how different the course is going to be played. So personally, I'm just going to go into thinking it's going to be playing similar to how it has been except for the greens, uh, which are now, you know, pure, pure Bermuda. Now, the Golf Club of Houston is a 7,455-yard par 72 course, and the course has four par threes and four fairly long par fives. The par four is very wildly in length. These four of them are under 400 yards, and four of them are over 460 yards. Uh, the par fives are a bit of a challenge. This course has you know, routinely been in the bottom 10 and going for the green percentage and total eagles. Two of the par threes are on the shorter side, uh, which is like 175 yards and 186 yards. And the other two are fairly long at 216 yards and 236 yards. The finishing three holes are a tough challenge with 16 being a long par three, 17 a long par four, and 18, which is the toughest hole on the course with water everywhere. Now off the tee, golfers will see wide fairways with possible light rough. There are some fairway bunkers and water isn't playing on about 10 holes. Uh, some fairways do get more narrow after the 300-yard marker, but if the rough is light, uh, golfers should be able to just bomb it out there without too many repercussions unless they hit it into the water. On approach shots, golfers will see the large multi-verde ultra-door Bermuda grass greens. Only two other courses on tour use this type of grass, and they are TPC Louisiana, which is a Zert Classic, and East Lake Country Club, which is the tour championship. Over 70% of all approaches land on these greens. There's not too much slope and undulation, but some of the greens are multi-tiered, so judging the approach shot's distance will be key. The greens are elevated, guarded by bunkers and water, and the edges of the most of the greens are shaded down with runoff areas. Uh, now, scrambling is tough uh, here, because especially from the rough. So if, if the guys miss the green and they hit a runoff area and it gets in the rough, scrambling is tough. But, you know, with 70-plus percent of the greens hit, you know, if you're scrambling a lot, you're probably going to lose anyways. So you know, I probably wouldn't look too much into that. Now, rain is uh, – the punting surface is firm and fast with a stint meter rating of around 12. Rain is expected on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which could make the course play longer, which in turn could give longer hitters more of an advantage. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, a lot of what you said there, Kenny, big time as far as ball striking goes, I still think that's a key here because it's it's not the leaderboard show it. And at the same time, it's like you said, you got to be in there. It's not a birdie fest, so to speak. I do think we will see a lower score than what the history says, because I don't think they're going to make it the same as the Masters, for example. Like, just no point anymore. Uh, why not make it a decent event still? Because if they're going to have this schedule slot or whatever that might be going forward, 
they're probably going to want to have it set up that way so that they can, you know, get more people out here. Because if you look at the field, it is atrocious. We're going to get into that. But as far as the top players in the world, like Stenson and Bradley lead the way, come on, it's garbage. So, and it sucks for us as DFS players because we're waiting through 11K price tags when you have to sort of value out, are these guys actually worth it at this price because of the field that they're in? So uh, still going to look at ball striking, approach, a uh, little bit of bogey avoidance, always looking at, you know, some birdies are better and DK scoring. Do like the wedge game. Basically, it comes down to a lot of shots within 125 to 150, otherwise 200 plus. So I'm looking at both those ranges and then just a little bit of par fives because while there's not very many eagles here, uh, that's still the scoring holes for these guys when they are going to score. So they're going to have to tear up the par fives throughout the week to get themselves perched above the leaderboard. Now, one thing is, um, Tambo, this is uh, the last year they're playing at Golf Club in Houston. Next year, they're going to go to Memorial oh, that's right. uh, yes. Golf Park uh, in Houston. So yeah. I'm not sure if they're going to make the course play easier. Like, No, you're I- right. And I have a point on that later when we get to Johnson Wagner. I forgot all about that. But yeah, 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 I just that's what I was reading today. And it's because you're right. They're switching to another course there. And that's going to be a big thing. I'm trying to decide what you want to go with this week as far as what you think the, the winning score is going to be. Well, here's the thing. Like, if I was a course superintendent there for the last decade plus, and I had to set it up easy as shit for Augusta, you know, with like no rough, wide ass fairways, you know, stuff like that. You know, why not make this shit hard as fuck this year? I still, <laughs> I, I still don't, think, don't that, think they do that. Know, I don't think I don't think they're gonna do that. But like, if I was a course superintendent, I'd be like, fuck it, it's our last year. Let's fucking make this shit a U.S. Open type shit, you know? Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to happen that way. But that's just the way I think. You know, I'm an asshole. So, you know, that's the way it goes. That's what you would do, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I would do. All right, so let's move on to these tiers. Let's start in this. Uh, before we get there, let's talk about GupsCorner.com. Uh, use promo code DGEN10. Get yourself a subscription to GupsCorner.com. Uh, it's the best DFS betting site out there, best value out there. You know, it's not expensive and you get that 10% off using that promo code DGEN10. You get my article every week, Tambo's article every week, Gup's rankings, Gup's ownership, Gup's bets. And this dude is an amazingly sharp guy. Uh, I mean, he, he is an amazing guy, class act as well. And I've been a fan of working for him for the last few weeks now, you know, and also you'll get the Slack channel. The Slack channel's great. Uh, it's basically like a family in there you know everyone gets along everyone's rooting for each other everyone gives their plays i'm on there a bunch uh you know i I gave a couple of tips uh, for showdown on saturday night you know i do that pretty often on that slack chat you'll see me on there pretty often you'll see tambo on there often you know answering questions giving out picks and stuff like that so um you know it's definitely worth the money so make sure you oh and also you get football included football is included so you know it's worth the money uh, so use promo code DGEN10 and get yourself on gupscorner.com. All right, so let's talk about these tiers. Let's talk about this 10K range. We're going to go Russell Henley all the way up to the sweetest, the, the, the sweetest man, Henrik Stenson. Who do you like in this range, brother? This tournament sucks. <laughs> let's say that. But th- this is brutal, right? Like I said, you got to sort of battle through it and just say whatever and, and pick what you think the value is going to be. My big thing here, Kenny, is look at... Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future at the entire board i'm taking it into you know perspective and see what's at the bottom 
and Stenson is nice. I mean, I guess he's all right, but I mean, first off, 11-4 is insane, so I don't love that. He never really does the job. He's like another Hideki to me, and it is what it is. I get it, Hideki, 9,700. He got what he, I think he scored all right last week, whatever. But normally when he's over 11K or 10K, I don't touch him. Stenson's going to be sort of the same here. I think in, like with MME this week, in like the $8, I'll probably just go underweight and still get some Stenson lineups in there because I don't think it's going to take much to leverage him. I think lots of people will be thinking what I'm thinking. So I'm not really pivoting off or anything. I'm just letting you know I'm going to be underweight on him. I do think he's the best in the field, but it's anybody goes in an event like this. I don't think he's far and away the best. Uh, you know, he's made six out of seven cuts here. He's got good recent form. We know he makes cuts. It's how much does he do and does he meet value at 11-4? And that's a challenge for me. Other thing, looking at the whole field, as I was mentioning, I don't really love the bottom of the board. So I don't think Stars and Scrubs is that productive this week for me anyway. So uh, I like Stenson. I really got my first teaser bro here. There, who's, here's who I would start with, and it's Harmon. I like taking Harmon over Berger. Uh, you know, they're both pretty much the same golfer lately, but I think a lot of people are going to be chasing Berger. And I think that Berger's, re- Berger's course history of 18th, 5th, 5th, and 25th gets people to automatically jump on it. But his price wouldn't necessarily have been 10-4 at those times. And I'm just using that as an example to say, yes, he fits the bill in this field. But Harmon has been on fire lately with the 18th, 14th, and 3rd. Before, a couple weeks before that, there was a 6th. His putter can stay hot. He likes Bermuda. I'm all over Harmon up here at 10-6. And then the only other guy that's there is Henley. Probably be underweight on him as well, but he is the real true course history beast. So, I mean, if, if somehow Henley comes out, I will say this, if Henley comes out at super low ownership, or, or sorry, super high ownership and Berger's super low, you could pivot because, well, Henley has a win here a couple of years ago and then a fourth, fifth, and an eighth. You've got Berger there with an 18th, fifth, fifth, and 25th. So that could be your pivot as well, not to, to play favorites. But like I said, I like Harmon, and that's about it. I'll be underweight on Henley and Stenson. That's the other side of it. What do you got? Yeah, Stenson, I'm not sure what to do about him. Here's the thing. like Stenson hasn't had a top five on the PGA Tour since the, the 2018 Masters. Now, of course, he is the best player in this field by leaps and bounds. Initially, I think it's going to be a fade for me. I might change my mind later on in the week, especially if I see ownership being low for him but I'm not sure that's going to happen. So I think as of now, he's a fade. We'll see how he goes in the rest of the week. And the guys who are members of Gup's Corner, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and exact that, you know, have an exact idea uh, later on, probably Wednesday night about him. But I like Harmon as well. He's my favorite in this range. Uh, one of the best approach games here. Tita Green has been excellent. He's making a bunch of birdies, good on par fours. Um, you know, so I do like Harmon. He's probably my favorite play. And I'll play Henley as well the course horse with a good approach game, you know, again, another good par four scoring top 10 in greens and regulation in the last 10 rounds in this field. So I do like Henley. All right. So let's move on to this nine K range. And I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, I'm going to go with my first cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be Denny McCarthy at $9,500. Uh, now, you know, here's the thing about Denny his approach game. When you look, let me sidebar here real quick and talk a little bit about showdown because I'm going to use Denny as an example of how to uh, different showdown strategies. And we're definitely going to be talking more about showdown and showdown strategies in the new year. Uh, so it's something that we're going to be ta- doing uh, here once January starts, but let's talk about showdown. So Danny McCarthy after the third round, okay. He was, uh, he lost like 1.3 strokes on his approaches after round three. Okay. And, and he gained like something like three strokes with this putter. And now the natural way of thinking, the way everyone thinks now about, about, showdown is you know guys who have great iron play who had a 
shitty putting, um, shitty putting, you know, those are the guys you target, right? And, and while that's true, I do do that. Uh, you have to sometimes look at what type of golfer, you know, you're looking at. So Denny McCarthy is the best putter probably in the field, probably in the PGA Tour last year at least. He was first in strokes game putting, um, you know, and he's first in strokes game putting in the last 12 rounds in this field. So it's not like it's going away. Now, the thing is, even though he lost, you know, he was like 86th in strokes gain approach. He, you know, he lost strokes on strokes gain approach. And Wednesday night, he lost like 1.3 strokes with his approaches. But he was top 20 in greens in regulation. Okay. And so when you look at an elite putter like that, you have to sometimes not pay attention to that strokes gain approach thing. Because here's the thing is how strokes gain approach works is let's say um, Benny on and Danny McCarthy are both 150 yards out from the middle of the fairway. And the average uh, proximity from 150 yards out is 18 feet. So 18, if you hit to 18 feet, you're, you're gaining zero strokes on approaches. Okay. So let's say Benny hits his approach to 15 feet. He's gaining strokes on approaches on that shot. Let's say Denny hits it to 21 feet. He's, you know, losing strokes on, on approaches on that shot. Now, but, but who would you rather have putting for you if your life depended on it? Benny on from 15 feet or Denny McCarthy from 21 feet? I'd probably go Denny McCarthy. So when you look at golfers who are elite putters in showdown, check out their green and regulation percentage more than their strokes gained approach. Because, okay, if their strokes gained approach is high, well, then, yeah, they're in. But if their strokes gained approach is not great for a round, and you want to play them in the next round, look at their green and regulation stats. If they're hitting a lot of greens and regulation, you know, and they're a great putter, that means they have a higher chance of making the birdie putts, you know? Uh, and so that, that's the way I went through. Now, you know, he was five under, he led the field in birdies uh, last week. You know, he had like five or six, you know, birdies uh, yesterday, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, but, you know, he had a double on, um, on 17, which sort of messed up his score a little bit, but still a pretty good, pretty good show. Now, I do like him as my first cash game cornerstone pick as well because, once again, he's hitting a ton of greens. And, like, with the, with the 70% green and regulation percentage here, you know, this turns into a putting contest. That's, that's what this is about, and he's the best putter in the field. So I'm going to go ahead and play Denny McCarthy as my first cash game cornerstone pick in this range. And I do like Matt Jones uh, at $9,100, whose approach game has been a lot better uh, than, it, than it has been in the past. He's fifth in greens and regulation in the last, you know, uh, 12, 12 rounds in this field. And he's always been an above average putter. And he's been good tee to green. So I do like Matt Jones as a GPP play in this range. Who do you like in this range, Tamara? My first, well, sorry, my first TTPO in this range. My second TTPO is actually off of McCarthy. Not just because the putter. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is my favorite pivot, but this field's actually one of the hardest. I know you said you love your cash game cornerstones. I hate my pivots this week. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, just because it's so random and, and the prices are so rare. And I pretty much love everybody up the middle. I think I have three or four plays under 7,000 this week that I'm interested in. So you're just throwing darts and I, and I get it for something like MME, but trying to build out these $100, you know, five max tournaments or whatever, I, I don't really want to go down there. But I can go to Munoz here. Uh, you know, Mc Perez is the guy that I wouldn't go to. He's the guy that really gained strokes with putter, and I don't expect that to continue with the price increase. But McCarthy and Munoz, if you look at the two of them, in the if you cancel the miscut for, for Munoz, it's a 33rd, a 1st, and a 7th. If you look at McCarthy, he's a 9th, an 18th, and a 31st. So really in their last three out of four events type deal, and then a miscut. So that's what I'm trying to compare. It's almost the same. They're very similar golfers. All the ownership's going to move to McCarthy. 
Uh, I get it. Like you said, if it's a putting contest and Munoz first time, but Munoz has been hot lately. His stats are super solid in all the categories that I talked about at the top of the show. And on top of that, Bermuda rates out as his best surface uh, so far in, in his ter- time on tour. Also, just from looking off of a sheet here, in the last 30 events they've both played, Munoz has them by about three or four cuts. And with those cuts made, becoming more, becoming, apparently becoming more and more important, I'm going to side here with Munoz. I like his game. I like his moxie. I'll go with him. Matt Jones, you mentioned, I like. Shout out to Brad Messersmith, Keegan Bradley Messersmith. I'm going to go to Keegan Bradley. Um, <laughs> cl- class of the field is not good, and I'm not saying Bradley's the be-all, end-all, but you know, he, just what I can see, five straight made cuts. He's seven for eight made cuts here, including uh, you know, his, in his last five, he's got a 15th and a, and a fifth mixed in. Uh, stats, we know he can get it hot if the ball striking's there. If it comes down to the putter, it's not what you want but there's certainly quite a few tournaments where we've seen Bradley get the putter going and maybe it's just enough in a tournament and a field like this. Harris English really stands out to me and it's a lot of guys who are moving into the 8K range, but I'll just start it. Uh, you know, Harris English, 8,900, big time. You know, I'm going to go back in one second, actually one more guy, but, but Harris English, yeah, recent form is insane. 33rd, 6th, and 3rd in his last three. Four for five made cuts here and all his stats rate out nicely as far as what I talked about. Uh, going back real quick, though, what's your take on Scheffler? Because I'm going to go uh, either off him or way underweight on him this week, depending on how the ownership goes. What do you think about Scheffler? It, it, it depends on ownership. Going 74 and 75 last week on the weekend scared me a little bit. Yeah, and um, we've talked about this before, right? It's I know he, he's a big name, and he's a, he will show up and dust the field at one point here. And before last week, he was on fire. But it's often been, you know, that he's not – he's it's a lot of putter, and I've seen looking at the long-term stats – he needs that putter to stay hot, and it can get hot, no doubt. But at 9,900 and with all these other guys around him, I think I'm going to be off him completely or underweight at least. That's very little. Yeah, and the thing is, if I do play Stenson and I play three guys in the 10K in the 10K and up range, I'm probably not going to play too many guys in the 9K range. So I'd probably stick with Denny and, and Jones on that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm pro- it, it looks like a fade to me unless everyone's deciding to fade him. And then, you know, the talent is there. He can win. This is a field that he can do well on. But that 74-75 on the weekend really scared me. Yeah. Um, so so I'm not really sure. His irons were horrible all last right. week. All, all good. So, I'll, I'll carry on. I'll finish out the 8K range. Uh, a couple more guys. One is Burgoon. You know, more on him later. But he, he's just a, a beast. He can do it all. So go back to him. He actually got 24th here last year. Luke List is right there with him. Uh, and then one more is Aaron Baddeley. Another guy that you says, you know, in quotes, says he loves this course. He's seven for 12 made cuts. The experience, experience is there, and he's got a 15th two years ago here. So, uh, you know, 37th and 33rd in his last two. I don't mind that at all. He had a withdraw before. He's bounced back. So I'm good with him at just 8,000 in this field. All right, yeah. My uh, second cash game cornerstone is Harris English. And you'll notice the theme here with my cash game cornerstones this week. Uh, career-ly, career, solid career, good putters whose iron games have been stepping up recently. Uh, that's that's the targets I'm going for in in my cash game cornerstones this week. And Harris English fits that bill. Always been a good putter, but his iron game has been really really good, especially recently. Uh, you know he's fourth in strokes gained approach in his last twelve rounds. First in greens and regulation gained in his last twelve rounds in this field. Uh, stat wise, he's looking great. Second in uh, par four, strokes game par four. Third in strokes game par five, all in the last 12 rounds, which has been the fall season for him. So I- I'm a big fan of Harris English. He'll be my second cash game cornerstone pick. I do like Sam Ryder as well at $8,800. Again, another good guy who's good with his approaches, gets a lot of birdies, uh, scores highly on DK. 
uh, finished fifth here last year and had a good showing, a top 20 last week, which could have been higher. He sort of faded on Sunday. Uh, other guys I do like in this range are going to be, uh, let me take a peek here, uh, Cameron Tringali at $8,700, another guy with great course history here who's been crushing it tee to green. Like if you look at the tee to green trends uh, from this from this course, uh, let me, I have this written down here. 28 of the last, uh, in the last 11, 12 years, 28 of the 34 golfers with recordable stats to finish top three were inside the top 85 in strokes gained tee to green for that specific year. So tee to green, super important, super important every week, but this week might be a little bit more important. Another stat little thing, uh, you know, since 2011, Nearly 75% of all golfers that finished top three here were inside the top 50 in par four scoring for the year they finished top three. And so, you know, those are a couple of things to look at. And Cameron has been just crushing it tee to green. Great course history. Been playing good golf here recently. So I do like him. Um, other guys in this range. My, my third cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Lanto Griffin. Uh, a three straight top 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, putter has always been strong, but his iron game has been improving. Uh, top 30 in greens and regulation in the last 12 rounds. Top uh, 37th in strokes gain approach in this field in the last 12 rounds. Not bad. Uh, you know, 12th in strokes gain par four. So I do like Lanto as my third cash game cornerstone pick. Why don't you take us into the 7K range, Tambo? Oh, and I'll probably play a little bit of Zhang at 8,000. The guy's been playing good golf. Yeah. So I'm going to play a little bit of Zingjun Zhang. Yeah, I like him actually too. I, I messed up there. Baddeley was 8,100. First off, I said 8,000. And I also messed up because I got confused with my range. That was my third T3VO was actually going to be Baddeley over Bo Hostler. And I know you didn't mention him, but uh, obviously Hostler came second here last year in the, you know, the devastating playoff loss. Good for some, myself included, but uh, definitely not good overall for him. That was painful to see. He is a grinder. I, I don't mind Bo Hostler because, you know, you saw on Twitter, he posted where he lost his card and then a few weeks later battled right back and got it back. So got to love the grit, got to love the fortitude with, with a guy like Bo, but, and maybe some good vibes coming back here. But I just, I like Baddeley in this range. And like I said, I'm pretty much sold on him. So uh, I don't want to go back to Hostler, especially if he's going to get popular due to his second place last year. Zhang's a guy I like there at the top at 8K, like you just mentioned. I think this is sort of where some of these values really pop. This is sort of my favorite area with guys like Chapel, Shelton, Wierenski, Gay, Vegas, like all five of those guys. I don't really need to go on a tangent on all of them because I talk enough. But, I mean, those are the guys that are under 8K, have value in this field, have upside in this field. You know, Chapel is coming back, but he looked fine his last event out. He's got some rust off. Um, Shelton has been on fire, just makes cuts. We need that. Wierenski, same thing, 18th, 3rd, and 7th, three of, his last five, three of his last three. Gay, we just saw get a 7th before that, 23rd, 65, to your point, a notoriously good putter. And then Vegas, a guy I love. Vegas is a hometown guy, right? He's got all his friends, family, everybody here in Houston. Hometown guy, 6 out of 7 made cuts at this tournament, loves this place, and can absolutely get hot. So I do like Vegas a lot at 7,600 to round out the top range of that 7K area. Yeah, I'll go with my my final cash game cornerstone pick here, and it is going to be Brian Gay at $7,600. Again, another notoriously great putter whose iron game has been exceptionally strong in the last few events. Uh, so that's what I'm going with. You know, and the thing about him is, you know, I like the way his finishes have been. It's 63rd in his first event in the fall, and then, what, 23rd in his next event, and then 7th last week. So he's trending the right way, which is always something you like to look for, uh, especially in golfers in this, you know, under 8K. 
and stuff. You know, if they're trending in the right direction, you know, with a couple of like three or four weeks where they, they continuously move up the leaderboard. I like looking at golfers like that and gay fits the bill on that. And again, he's, uh, I guess, third in strokes game par four in the field in the last 12 rounds. And I did say, you know, that's, a, that's an important stat to look for uh, other guys. that So my four cascade cornerstones for this week are going to be Denny McCarthy at 9,500 Harris English at 8,900 Lanto Griffin, at 8000 and Brian Gay at 7600 That leaves you $16,000. Plenty of room to do whatever the hell else you want to do with your last two spots. And hopefully for once this season, I can do better on those last two spots. All right, other guys I do like in this race, I do like Chapel. I mean, $7,900 for a guy of his talent. We saw him shoot, you know, what did he shoot? Almost 59 uh, a couple weeks ago. He went super low. So it looks like his game is trending back where he is he's coming off injury so i do like chapel at 7900 for a gpp play um bryce garnett uh he, i think he'll be a nice low owned gpp play that no one's really going to look at uh the thing about him is he tends to play better in these weaker field events and he's really been really good in the fall like the majority of his top tens in his career have come in the fall and his win came at like a, a, a an alternate field event uh, the corrales uh you know where it was an extremely weak field and this is sort of like his shit when, when golfers suck in the field, he balls out. So, yeah, so I'll go a little bit of Bryce Garnett uh, in that range. I do love Vegas also uh, at 7,600. And moving down a little bit more, I'm going to play a little bit of Doc Redman. Stats are looking great. Iron game's looking solid. Really good tee to green here recently. $7,200 seems like a good price. And I'll go ahead and use Matt Every. Uh, I, I don't say that very often. Uh, we look good uh, on Sunday. I think he shot five under. On Sunday, uh, yesterday, his, his iron games have been really strong. His wedges have been good. Uh, I think he'll be low-owned. No, no one really clicks Matt Every's button, usually unless they're, you know, at Bay Hill. So uh, I'll play him a little bit too. Who do you like in this uh, bottom 7K range, Tim? Yeah, one uh, just at 7,500 on the dot was uh, Austin Cook, right? Hasn't done anything lately, not going to pop anyone's radar. But the one time he did play here, he got 11th, uh, and he shows up pretty well on Bermuda. So I, I like Cook. Not a lot, but I my sort of my play in that range there. And then drop down to Hoagie. Uh, you know, not as many people talking about him right now. I don't think three for three made cuts here. Uh, he's been crushing pretty much three of his last five events. His last two haven't been great. It was a missed cut in the 39th. But before that, he's got a second, a 20th, and a seventh. Don't mind that. Brendan Steele and Every, you, you know, they're sort of the same guy. I, I, li- I like those two guys for sure. You just mentioned about Every. And then Steele's 29th, 60th, and 36th coming in. Don't mind that at all. Uh, you know, Redmond always going to play a little bit of him. It's sort of a, a Gups corner play, but it's more that the guy's just talented and has upside. You know, someone said today, what's he really done? It's not about that. It's, you know, swing season. What can he do is what I think it's about. And so for me, I'll always play him at these low prices, 7,200. He's sort of my new um, rider this week because Ryder got jacked right up to 8,800, finally has one good week and they skew him up. So I- I'm going to go to Redmond. Been playing Hubbard. You know, his recent form has been awesome. Don't mind him at all. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, he got a 19th here. Uh, David Hearn, the Canadian, bring it down with him. Just a guy, again, that this type of course, man, this, this, he makes cuts. He can pop. He doesn't normally do well at, like, super low-scoring events. But this one, like you say, if it keeps it intact a little bit, I, I think it'll still be a little bit lower scoring than we're used to. But I think it's still right in his wheelhouse. So don't mind him. And then that's it. And then I've got a few plays below 6,000. What about you, Kenny? Uh, now, when it goes to the 6K range, uh, one of my favorites is Dominic Bazzelli. He, he fits that mold of another elite putter who's been hitting 
his irons a lot better recently. Like he's 22nd in this field in strokes can approach in his last 12 rounds. And that's really good for him because he's never really been a great iron player. Everyone notices him about how good his putting usually is. And the thing is, his putter really hasn't been the greatest uh, this year, but he still had some uh, in the fall so far, but he still had some positive finishes with a sixth place uh, three weeks ago. Another guy I do like, Zach Sucher at seven at 6,600. I think he's way underpriced for a guy who's, you know, I think he's had like two top twenties in a row. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, let me double check here. Yeah. Yeah. So he had 18th to 24th uh, in his last two events. So the guy's been playing good golf. Um, and, and, and if I, let me bring him up here, where is he? And, and he, his iron gain has been really good. And he's actually first in strokes game T to green in this field in the last 12 rounds. So at 6,600, I'll definitely be using a lot of suture. I'll be going back to Campos, uh, at $6,500, uh, of the, of the golfers in this field who have played this event more than twice. Campos is ninth in, in scoring average of all those guys. So he's played this course well here in the past. So I do like Campos as sort of a course horse. And then going down, you know, I'll play a little bit of Cole Hammer. Um, second uh, in, the, in the amateur golf rankings um, from Texas. I think he goes to University of Texas. So this is like a home game for him. Uh, so, you know, I'll throw a fire out on a super talented young kid in a shitty field. Uh, who do you like in this range? So I said I'm talking about Wagner. That, that's the guy right there at 6,900. Because that's what you made me think of earlier. Because he's been quoted as saying he loves this course. He's he's obviously a, a former winner. He's got pretty good. Re- he's nine for twelve made cuts. He had a thirteen and a second here just a few years ago. But he was quoted as saying he literally hopes they never move this course. And now they're moving it on him. So I think I think he'll be happy if it's still in Houston. But which it is. But but I'm saying he's uh, he's mad about that. So that was what made me think of that when you brought up earlier. So there's Wagner there, sixty nine hundred. Always going to have a little bit of the buzz, man. You, you know, Bazelli is there. He can get hot any time. Again, he's a guy who hasn't done shit lately, but he can get a hot putter. And his, his putting service preferred is Bermuda as well, uh, or where his stats have shown up at least. And then Sean Stefani, another guy right there. Um, you can see I'm staying in these high sixes. I'm not really dipping down too much. Coming off a 28th place, four for seven made cuts here. He's got a 24th last year and then a, a 25th and a fifth in the previous few years. So, Three of his last five events, he's been top 25 here, including a fifth. So he's got the upside. And then I'm surprised, but James Hahn, right? You know, he was in my mil- he was in my winning lineup last year. So I got a little bit of a, a love affair there with him. But, you know, eight for 11 made cuts in his last 11 events. Four for five made cuts here. 32nd, 49th the last two years. And, of course, being on the winning team, he gets a, a pass no matter what. Uh, and then you took the play with Zach Sutcher. I think he's going to get popular, though. But, uh, yeah, too too cheap for what he's capable of. The interesting thing with Campos was, you know, he didn't really do shit. He got a 33rd and a 61st, and he goes up from 6,100 to 65 just because the field strength. So, uh, you know, he's your boy, though. Get back on him. My boy, last one I'll mention, uh, didn't do anything last week. Speaking of who didn't do shit, first time back, though, got to knock a little rust off, is the other Canadian at the super low price of just $6,300. And Graham Dillette, man, he's all over the map. But he had, like, the first day was, like, four birdies, five bogeys when, when, you know, it was a – it was a tough, tough, tough event for his first one out, but uh, he couldn't get it done. But, you know, 27th, 42nd, 19th, five for six made cuts here. Maybe this is bringing back some memories for him. And at 6,300, no price bump. I'll still go back in MME just a little bit. All right. Anyone else uh, we missed? Nobody. All right. Let's get to the betting segment. Who you like, Tambo? I've got two bets only. And, and it's just for value and what sort of what's out there right now. I'll dig into it some more. And they're not even bombs. The first one is Scheffler purely as a hedge at 30 to one. 
it's looks like a good number. And at the end of the day, I'm not each weighing it or anything. I'm just, if he dusts the field, I want to be there, like I said earlier, but I won't probably be on him if he's going to be 20, 25% as he has been in DFS. Uh, and then Burgoon, 66 to one each way. I know he's popular out there, but most don't have access to the each way. So I'm going to lock it up that way while the value's still there. I've heard that it's dropped in some places, Kenny. I'm not sure if you're on him or have that number, but Burgoon at 66 was a good number to start the day. So I rolled with him as well. Yeah, I got my usual six picks. Uh, you know, Henley, 25 to one. Uh, Denny McCarthy, 33 to one. Harris English at 40 to one. Lanto Griffin at 50 to one. Tringali at 50 to one. And then my my value, my outlier bet uh, is Suture at 250 to one. So those are going to be my six bets. I like it. All right, anything else we need to talk about? Nope, that's it, man. All right, tell them where they can find you, Tambo. Yeah, Kenny, you mentioned it, gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN10. Definitely want to get over there for, you know, the reason we talked about, you know, NBA and MLB were actually just added at no additional cost to the content analysis packages. So you can get that. We talked about it last week where if you sign up for the content analysis pack right now, you're which is so cheap, guys, but you're going to get it for whatever with your code off 10%. And then on top of that, you're going to get the ability to get the PGA tools free trial. Well, they're on right now for the swing season. So definitely want to check it out for golf. That's what we're talking about. But football, I just talked about how well we've been doing. Lots going on over there with the NBA and MLB editions. Other than that, add me on Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo. Hit me up there and DM me if you have any questions. All right, you can find me on gupscorner.com, just like Tambo. My article probably already out. I think Tambo posted it a couple hours ago. Uh, it should be out there. You can find me on that Slack chat late nights all the time, uh, giving out you know, a lot of my Kenny After Dark stuff that I usually did on Twitter. Uh, I've been posting on the Slack chat. So, you know, if you, if you enjoy that type of information that I put out, uh, you know, you might want to go ahead and think about getting a sub using promo code DGEN10. You can also find me on Twitter at KendoVT. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week. Looking forward to this tournament with a shitty field. Either way, let's win some motherfucking money, DGEN Nation. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.